Ow. Ow. Oh, God. Oh. Oh. Hey there, a random listener and our viewer. I was, I was just enjoying um, this hot cup of coffee, and I was also looking at some of my old paraphernalia. Spilled some coffee on myself, and it was hot. So, yeah. Dan kebetulan aja pas lagi bersih-bersih ini nemu ada kartis tiket arcade time zone dari zaman bahula. Oh, good times. Oh, and by the way, where are my manners? It is I, everyone's beloved local podcasting cat and horror enthusiast, Pak Kucing. <laughs> so, um, anyway, please welcome. Selamat datang di acara Spooky Talks episode ke-9. Kebetulan aja sebelum persiapan rekaman nih tadi sempat bersih-bersih buat kopi dan habis itu buat pisang molen and then kebetulan aja nih nemu karcis tiket lama dari tim apa time zone ya yang kalau dikumpulin bisa ditukerin hadiah-hadiah gitu. Oh gosh, um, dulu itu ya Pak Kucing itu benar-benar nagih setiap ada kesempatan ke mall buat main ke time zone ya mana lagi Amazon ya. Selain antara itu atau ke kids station cuma sekedar ada mainan habis itu ya mahal nggak bisa dibeli jadi ya ya udahlah. Nah tapi dibandingin sekarang sih pas masih zamannya Pak Kucing SD SMP itu bisa dibilang jauh lebih seru dibandingkan dengan game market yang yes nowadays ya tapi sayangnya covid ya jadi ya nggak bisa dibuat mainan semuanya tutup semua. Kalau dulu tuh gamenya kebanyakan masih retro dan aneh-aneh tapi kualitasnya masih bagus jadi masih disayang-sayang dirawat dan bersihlah semuanya dan awet bisa berapa tahun. gitu. Did my voice just crack? I think my voice just crack. Mm-hmm. Nah, hadiah-hadiahnya apa ya? Hadiah-hadiahnya pun juga bervariasi. Tahu-tahu kayak dulu itu pernah ada pengalamannya Pak Kucing nemu DX-nya Gao Elephant, enggak tahu KW atau enggak. Itu pas main di Amazonia Carrefour yang di daerah, daerah Golden City kalau enggak salah. Man, it was amazing and fun. Yeah. Yet, out of all of those arcade games The rail shooters are the ones that always leaves me at all. Walaupun gak hasilin tiket, but at least bisa show off skill dikit lah. Kayak sombong-sombongan dual wielding, terus itu kalah atau nowhere. Lihat berbagai macam endingnya, dan kemudian pantengin high scorenya, which was an achievement of itself. What kind of rail shooters that I enjoy, you ask? Well, of course, the horror theme ones. Walaupun yang sekelasnya Time Crisis, Virtual Cop, Golden Gun, Let's Go Island, Sogeki, dan lain-lainnya juga suka. But there's always something much more interesting kalau main yang genre-nya horror. Uh, you got your Silent Hill Arcade, Jurassic Park, Maze of Kings, and of course, House of the Dead. Try my best in, re- um, in doing the House of the Dead. SFX, but yes, suaranya mumpung lagi gini kamu di resursa jadi ya udahlah. Which we will discuss for the whole entire episode and many more to be honest. Tapi sebelum itu mungkin ada di antara kalian deh, terutama para pendengar yang baru dengerin episode ini penasaran kenapa aku mau bahas mengenai konsep dan genre zombie. Cause now listen, I like the horror genre, especially the ones that has zombie elements in them. I do. I really do love and glorify those yucky hordes of flesh-eating, run-living corpse in any kinds of medias mulai dari video game, uh, film, manga, novels, and also yeah, berbagai macam bentuk media hiburan lainnya. Well, you could head over to Spooky Talks episode 8 ya, yang sebelumnya, episode 8, biar lebih ngeh dengan kenapa Pak Kucing mau lanjut bahas tentang beginian. Which you can hear and listen anywhere and at any time over at Spotify, Anchor FM dan berbagai macam streaming service lainnya where I spend the whole 30 30 minutes or so talking about the zombie genre as a whole as well as one of my favorite horror game franchises which happens to be ha- uh, to, to have zombies in them the Resident Evil series. Now, as I have promised 
Previously, episode ini bakal jadi part kedua Melanjutkan bahasan episode sebelumnya Dan juga lebih memperdalam jawaban Kenapa sih Pak Kucing itu demen banget sama konsep dan genre yang mengandung unsur zombie I mean like, who knows Kebetulan Pak Kucing juga bisa ngeracunin kalian buat incip-incip coba beberapa rekomendasi game Bahkan film ataupun novel dan lain-lainnya yang bakalan aku mention di episode ini Terus malah nagi dan jadi fannya juga kan ya Literally ngambil quote dari salah satu teman fitur berbak kucing si Kira Veronica Awu, Dan juga teman-teman Aspira Project lainnya Awalnya saya coba-coba terus ketempelan Ya pak kucing pun juga kurang lebih gini kok Yang awalnya penasaran dari ini game apaan sih kok covernya kayak gini tapi eh kucing banget Dan only to realize Astaghfirullah itu zombinya kecil-kecil gak mati-mati ya Gusti Well That sense of dreadful fear, knowing that you are in control of a character who has to survive in order to progress towards another objective, was to me considered addicting in its own ways. Tapi gimana ceritanya kalau kita dipaksa untuk melawan monster-monster tersebut, no matter what? What if? Now imagine this. Picture this. If you were to put in the literal shoes of a character that has to kill hordes of zombies and bosses to find, uh, finish a game, on a first-person perspective. Whether it's by yourself or with a partner, with no other ways possible. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that will be our main topic of the night, as we'll discuss more in depth towards the zombie horror genre and one of the most popular rail shooter video game franchises, which I also happen to be a fan of, the uh, Resident Evil. No, I've already mentioned that in the previous episode. We're going to talk about the House of the Dead series. And so, before we begin, as per usual, fellow listeners and our viewers, I would like to invite you all to turn off the lights, grab some drinks and snacks, as I have my coffee with me, sit tight, turn that volume knob a bit, and enjoy tonight's delightful premiere of I had a hiccup earlier, god dang it, of Spooky Talks. gonna sound like a broken record but yes i do love the zombie genre in any kind of piece of media albeit the fact that majority of them are seen as campy corny and noting from the fad that was predominantly famous back in the 80s with a plethora of b-rated movies oh god um we've seen that zombie genre is overused being implemented too much in movies and games and even to the point where they're no longer seen as the zombie genre they're seen as gore fest, kill house uh, sometime, it's still damn interesting to watch and enjoy. But here's the thing, I've already mentioned in the last episode that this genre itself has vastly evolved, starting from the slow-moving, mindless, voodoo-ass creatures that eats brains that was prominently used in the 1950s. Oh, right, that's a small thing to nitpick. Kenapa ya zombie yang dulu-dulu lebih digambarkan untuk makan otak aja ya? Nggak sekalian seluruh daging manusia atau hewan lainnya. But eventually, uh, they were flesh eaters. Kalaupun dulu-dulu coba sekedar, brains, I need your brains. Weird topic, but 
for another time. Come on, Jaya. Where was I? Oh right, the overlusion of zombies. And now we can see them in medias as fast-running, horde-like, overly mutated creatures. But this is what made some people tend to shift focus and interest in them. Because you see, zombies itself has been put in an array of mixed bags. Again, something that I've noted in the previous episode. We've seen them as actual horror scary creatures, funny comedic plot points, hot teenager love icon, or just something that has no point and or value anymore. That's a sad thing. Zombies felt like a genre that has somewhat lose its touch. It felt oversaturated and probably would need another boom to make it has its magic again. Like, yes, boom, yes, yeah, the Walking Dead, which kind of reignited the flames of what a zombie genre is supposed to be. But eventually, throughout the line and the season, it just it felt stale. The zombies doesn't even felt like a threat anymore. It felt boring. It's like. Have you ever been in love with a dish or a snack so much to the point where you see variations of it and you get sick of it? You see copies of it. Everyone's trying to do their own style to set food, and then you just you can't even recognize which one's the original. Bahkan yang aslinya pun nggak kerasa spesial lagi karena terlalu banyak yang coba ikut ikutan. It's not the same anymore. But then again, I digress. As a whole, if I were to put that analogy with what I'm trying to say, is that. I still love zombies dear to my heart, but I just cannot find the original value of it anymore. But still, again, I guess the main reason why I love zombies is that I didn't get to convey properly in the last episode was out of two reasons. They are the perfect set of concept to embody our existential fears and to become this somewhat element that we can use to portray in our deepest darkest fantasies. We as humans dwell and thrive in asking the never-ending questions of what if such things exist or how do we survive from it? Apa ya kebiasaan kok perilaku kita untuk kepo dengan hal-hal yang gak ada ataupun kemungkinan kecil terjadi? But nevertheless, ya gak bakalan sih walaupun who knows. Contoh aja di sini deh. Gak gak usah jauh-jauh lah. Biasanya kan ibu-ibu hari sampai kakak kan suka ngegibahin about things that probably was not There in the first place, gak, gak kejadian juga gitu loh. Itu contoh kecilnya. Tapi ya kalau contoh gedenya mungkin lah saya pastinya ada beberapa teman-teman pendengar yang kadang ngayal, berfantasi punya kekuatan super, punya semacam jin penuh kayak Stando dari seri Jojo Bizarre Adventure, bisa ngelawan makhluk-makhluk aneh. Well, that's the same excitement in fantasy that I feel in various zombie medias. Ngayal aja, coba bayangin kalau bisa survive di suatu apocalyptic environment itu bakal bisa nggak ya? Apa bisa bertahan dan bisa jadi zombie slayer yang keren kayak di game-game? Ya walaupun kemungkinan besar hari pertama kalau kejadian udah jadi zombie duluan ya. Because <laughs> here, the fun factor in killing them are, well, it's because they're mindless and it's subjectively fun to see them get squished and smushed. Ah, uh, great, I'm being subjective and starting to show my dark traits, huh? <laughs> ya sudah lah. Dibandingin dengan jenis makhluk fiktif lainnya ya, kayak let's say werewolves, Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, the mummy, bahkan alien atau monster-monster kaiju sedisnya, nggak usah jauh-jauh deh. Mungkin kalau di sini kayak kuntilan atau pocong ya, hampir berbagai macam uh, media itu masih berhasil memproyeksikan itu, memportrekan mereka dengan sisi kemanusiaan. Apa ya? Kalau dibandingin dengan zombie, menurut aku sendiri sih, these other creatures has their own distinctive personalities and values. Sure, they they're also creepy, horrifying creatures, but there's always a sense of humanity in them from some pieces of media. Jadi, 
let's just say kayak uh, white lady ghost biasanya kan dikasih kisah tragic yang dimana mereka pingin balas dendam atau mungkin melindungi sesuatu dari seseorang tapi caranya aja yang seem deem way too creepy or let's just say the merman yang dimana dia hanya ingin mencari cinta atau memang uh, it just happens to be their their own chaotic uh, set of apa ya individuals yang memang pingin merusak segalanya dan berkembang biak or Dracula who just wants to feed on some people and then apparently falls in love with someone or something and the werewolf who just deem that he just wants to survive in his own ways pas udah jadi manusia lagi dia kembali jadi manusia bukan monster itu lagi compare that with zombies apa ya yang sering digambarkan sebagai makhluk yang tak berakal dan sudah kehilangan dalam tanda kutip ya aspek kemanusiaannya They feel like a somewhat perfect target practice buat dia bisnis adanya We don't feel any kinds of remorse towards them Because their only objective is just to eat us and survive And then spread their virus or, or infect people Ya kalau misalnya tergantung pisau medianya Tergantung virusnya mem- memang nyuruh mereka untuk ngapain But kita pun ngeliatnya kayak Kita enggak Gak ada rasa enggak teganya ya Bunuh aja daripada kita ini makan Atau uh, kita yang bisa ngabisin mereka To me loh ya <laughs> There's A slight side of us that craves the idea of what and how to kill someone And that kind of fantasy can be fulfilled by the zombie genre I, I know, I know, it's dark I know But that's another reason why zombies are just so satisfying to watch rotting away and die Apa ya? To be fair, kalau mau bahas secara jeru mengenai zombie Bakal ada banyak nilai-nilai konstruk sosial Psikologis, makna filosofis, dan mendalam yang Bisa kita tarik ya, to be honest, but trust me, I am not interested in talking about that in this episode. Soalnya bakal uh, panjang lebar kemana-mana ya. You can trust me. Um, otherwise, this uh, whole episode will be a full-on philosophical discussion towards them. Now, the fantasy of killing zo- hordes of zombies is a concept that many horror fans dreams of. We crave the notion and given the chance to let our inner predatory nature to kill something that terrorizes the neighborhood or just seem easily to be disposed of. Hence, Having zombies as a recurring enemy or theme for a game will always be something that I still do favor and enjoy time to time, depending on who made them, of course. Capcom and Sega, raise your ante. And we come to our main discussion of the night, what I will be discussing instead, as I've already mentioned previously in the opening segment of this episode, is about the House of the Dead series, another game that I put dearly close to my heart. Now. Just like our previous Spooky Talks episode, with some ground rules on how I will discuss things. Uh, one, I won't be fully reviewing and overly explaining in detail about all of the entries in each series. Two, I might skip on some of the spin-offs that the series has, which means extended lore and or pieces of other kinds of media such as its movie adaptations, novels, audiobooks, manga are might be off the table a bit. And then three, of course, I won't spoil too many things for listeners and viewers who are interested in trying out some of these entries. Ya, jadi kurang lebih gitu sih buat beberapa hal yang bakal kita jauhi di episode ini sebisa mungkin. Walaupun ya teman-teman yang penasaran lebih lanjut bisa langsung aja go to YouTube and yet how or what the th- uh, what are the things that I'm trying to convey and explicitly tell in the episode. Ya daripada penasaran mending lihat sendiri daripada nanti udah kespoil kan ya. So yeah, I will be explaining some of it. Uh, some of their basic premise and what makes them so entertaining to play, not watch, because we don't talk about its horrible live movie, uh, live action movie adaptations. And as always, before we continue our main topic of the night, here's a quick word from our sponsors.
The House of the Dead is a popular horror-themed rail-shooter video game franchise created by Sega in 1996, which started itself as an arcade cabinet-style game to then be re-released on standard consoles, utilizing special controllers, and on PC via using a mouse and or keyboard. So beforehand, let me explain what a rail-shooting game is. For all of you young viewers and or listeners who didn't get to experience it on hands, thanks COVID, a rail shooter is a type of action-based video game, which the player control is limited only to directing where you can fire or directing your character in the screen by using certain controllers, in which the most notable out of all of them are by using a gun. Jadi apa ya? Kurang lebih kalau kamu ngarahin senjatanya itu yang disediakan oleh kontrolnya cuma buat gerak, apa gerakin karakter atau mau nembak apa yang ada di layar. And that's the beauty of it, that the thrill comes from having being forced to encounter danger and finish them no matter what. Compare that with any regular video game which lets you to decide various outcomes and ways to finish some certain events, rail shooters typically offers you nothing. It forces you to use your hands-on reflexes and accuracy to clear as many enemies as possible and proceed with stage. But that's the bad thing about it. Rail shooters are designed to be linear and played occasionally. Bakal ada beberapa level yang kelihatannya susah dan memang menantang dan didesain seperti itu memang dasarnya biar bikin playernya kecanduan, semakin diporot duitnya dan terus mencoba lagi dan lagi sampai akhirnya bisa kalahin boss atau mus stage tersebut. Uh, tersebut. Kind of sounds like gacha games, doesn't it? Well, technically it is in a way without the whole gacha system mechanic. So up to this day. There are six House of the Dead games that prominently shares the same themes and storyline, six main House of the Dead timeline series, where you and a friend, if you're interested in playing co-op, play as special agents to take on hordes of what this game claims as biologically engineered mutated undeads, BEMU, well that's not an official um, singkatan sih, tapi ya, it's up to me, they're the zombies in the game, they're considered as mutated undeads. As you progress through layers of levels, where after you reach a certain part of the end game of the level, you'll end up fighting a boss battle in order to continue towards the next chapter or finish the game. The main entry of the series starts off from the first installment of the franchise, The House of the Dead, released in 1996 for the arcade and also Sega Saturn and of course PC. You play as AMS agents Thomas Rogan and G. Yeah, the second character was named just the letter G. To stop the mad scientist, Dr. Roy Kurian, from using his advanced muted army of the undead from ruling the world. Oh, and also rescue uh, your future wife, Sophie Richards. To this day, the first installment will always be considered as one of the best shooting games to hit the arcade, as it received generally favorable reviews, but at the same time, they did yeah, risky for releasing the said game during the Resident Evil um, release as well at same uh, at the same time. Risky. Risky, risky, wiggy, wiggy. At the time, it was also considered as being way too graphic and obscene, which I do say so myself, screw off critics and parents. It was so stylized and cartoon-like that it would seem, well, fictitious. I mean, like, come on, it's a game that features zombies, flying bad creatures, and golems. It's ridiculous at the best way possible. It was deemed too controversial and brilliant for the point that it created a cultural impact for itself. Oh right, um, also there's one thing I kinda hate about the first title in the game. Um, there's this epileptic white flash every time you shoot in the screen for the arcade cabinet and was absolutely an eyesore for poor little Pak Kuching. It hurts! 
Although it was intended to mimic the visual sense of a gunshot and trying their best to add more impact for the recoil effect, it was just that, well to me it was bothersome. I had to wear glasses after that. Glad that they, um, they did remove it in the future ports. So as the year goes by, the House of the Dead itself um, became an icon and to the point where it spawned off the next sequel of the game, The House of the Dead 2 released in 1998 for the arcade, Sega Dreamcast, and of course PC. Now in this game, you play as the new AMS agents James Taylor and Gary Stewart. Gosh, that's a generic name. To again, stop another viral outbreak. Only this time, the plot thickens. It's soon unveiled that the Curian Mansion incident from the previous game was orchestrated by the game's main villain, corporate business owner and fellow scientist Caleb Goldman, in which he takes full responsibility in order to fulfill his exact goal, harnessing and creating the ultimate life force creature thingy called the Emperor Project to take over the world. Sounds very 90-ish, isn't it? Yeah. Comparing the somewhat premise of the first two titles for this franchise with Resident Evil feels far out and different, in which, to me, Resident Evil first few titles felt realistic and a bit down to earth. House of the Dead took a nosedive and tries to make itself much more edgy, mythical, and more, I don't know, unique? Why mythical, you might ask? I mean, take a gander at some of its boss fights. They use tarot cards as their names. Edgy. The first two tiles were deemed to this day as a staple in making House of the Dead a household name. And of course, from its interesting level designs, enemy variation, and of course, the absolutely ridiculous poor voice acting. Apa ya, memang voice acting di House of the Dead itu campy dan bener-bener cringe. It's so bad that it yeah, it, it was something that was deemed so bad by everyone to this point that it was amusing and comical. I mean like, yeah, well, the majority of Japanese arcade games that features English dubbing were and still to this day considered unpleasant to the ear, but man, House of the Dead just raised the bar to 11. I mean, ugh, I, I want to put some clips of them in the podcast, but I do kind of worry that I might get taken down for copyright or something. I don't know, it, it could be like that, so yeah. Uh, just hear for yourself over at YouTube, just find walkthroughs and playthroughs of it. So, then at 2002, another House of the Dead game was released, titled House of the Dead 3, released for the arcade, PC, and ported to various consoles for the first time in their main timeline franchise. The game takes place in the post-apocalyptic world of 2019. Yikes, <laughs> that didn't end well nicely compared to what we had in 2019, huh? Which our hero from the main series, Thomas Rogan returns to the series in order to infiltrate the AFI research facility to find out what caused the world to end in the first place. As we play throughout the first chapter of the game, he was immediately got MIA'd. Nice, and we switch into the actual game's protagonist, Thomas's own daughter, Lisa Rogan, accompanied by Thomas's old partner, Chi, as they set out to search for Thomas and continue with his mission. It's then revealed that in this game, the whole plot of the series comes to a full circle, 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 circle. Nice echo effect. As it was revealed yet again that Curian's goal in the first game was to cure his son, Daniel Curian, from a terminal illness. As he began to become obsessed with the concept of life and death, he increasingly used unethical methods toward his research, which led to the creation of the mutated creatures and end the world. 
By the end of the game, you met Daniel Curian, which was revealed to be alive and healthy from his father's research. Yet as time progressed, he resent his father's creation and you both fight the final boss of the game, which happens to be his dad. Oh shit, spoiler warning. Should have put that in the beginning, huh? But yeah, um, House of the Dead 3 features major changes in the series, starting from a new weapons mechanic, um, branching storyline, the absence of civilians, and other kind of um, things that had that w there was um, used in the previous games, and an overall major change which somehow led to mixed reviews. The title itself was considered experimental, but damn, was it an amazing experimental decision instead. The franchise had another sequel with the title, House of the Dead 4, released in the year 2005 for the arcade and PS3. Only this time, the storyline acts as a prequel to House of the Dead 3 and a somewhat sequel to House of the Dead 2. I know, meddlesome, am I right? Where you play as James Taylor in the year of 2003, yep, the protagonist from the second title, with a new character, Kate Green, in further investigating the Goldman incident from the second game. Yet, following a sudden earthquake and being trapped for days in the AMS headquarters, they manage yet shocked to discover that the undead army has risen back as they escape from the headquarters. They soon learn that the US government decided in nuking the whole place out, just like an RE to cover up the mess. James and Kate must prevent the upcoming nuclear disasters and cross paths with, yep, you guessed it, Goldman, yet again. The Bastard House of the Dead Fork was considered as a success and received positive reviews when it was released, as it did feature more interesting changes and an overhaul in its visual graphics, increased game performance, fast-paced action for a light railgun at a time, more enemy encounters, QTEs, it was deemed intense. I mean, like, I agree because it does seem more graphically all than previous titles. I still remember that I used to get nightmares from Justice's face as he pops from walls in the first boss fight, and also from, I kind of forgot, the third boss fight, the Enchantress, the one with dual-wielding chainsaw, he, he or she was creepy, in a way. And after years of nothing from Sega, as fans began to wonder whether the series as fully dead, we were pleasantly surprised by the announcement for the release of House of the Dead Scarlet Dawn, which was released on arcades in 2018. The game takes place in 2006 and serves as a sequel to House of the Dead 4. You play as Kate Green and accompanied by James Taylor's brother, Ryan Taylor, in investigating an undercover mission within Scarecrow's mansion which houses several undead army and notable resurrected boss creatures of the first game. Sadly, the machine never made its way to Indonesia, so I never got the chance to try it out. Hence, no first impressions and or nitpicks of it. But from what I've seen on YouTube and several playthroughs, it looks awesome, and it does share some traits from House of the Dead 4, gun mechanics-wise, scenario options, and over-the-top fancy designs. And what I'm quite interested in is that they reuse some of the old bosses from the first game, which led fans to believe are they going to do a remake. Which leads to our current and latest installment of the series, the House of the Dead remake planned to be released either the end of the year or probably next year, 2021 or 2022, for the Nintendo Switch. This will be the very first title that producer Takeshi Oda revealed during an interview with Sega Interactive back in 2019 will be a part of three more games which he will be producing for the series in the future. Let's just hope that he will actually make House of the Dead 2 and 3 into a remake as well. 
Noting so far in regards to this entry, as we were only presented with a trailer from the E3 Nintendo Direct of this year, which to me it looks as if they are remaking the whole first game, like a natural reboot and remake. Although I somehow I can shake the feeling that it might be a flop. Like, I don't know, it's just a nervous hunch in regards to it. Let's just hope for the best. The game itself usually features some of the same elements throughout the series. Each title consists of four to five different layers of chapters, which includes its own bosses, types of enemies, and some variations for firearms. Imagine something akin to Time Crisis, but not to a varying degree. In some of its titles, namely House of the Dead 3 and 4, also features branching paths, which the player can choose to unlock different paths, bonuses, and also different ending scenarios, which I won't spoil, but some of them were a bit too generic. Nothing too bewildering or shocking as any other games would surprise the players. Now, I did mention variations in firearms. What I mean by this is that some of the House of the Dead tiles utilizes different weapon mechanics, which to be honest, I really do enjoy them out on their arcing um, counterpart. So the first two tiles features your generic light pistols in which you aim directly at the screen and to reload, reload them you gotta aim outside of the screen and then shake it a bit and pop your uncle. It, it felt like the most generic Namco gun shooter um, controller there is. It has a recoil, it has a kick, it felt light at the same time but it packs a punch. It, it gives you the feeling that you are shooting something towards the screen. It was good. But it was the third title that featured a pump action shotgun controller, which to me was my favorite out of all the controllers. It, it actually felt heavy and lifelike. It was a one by one scale of a shotgun. It, it felt heavy for a little old pack coaching here. Reloading and by pumping the gun and it was absolutely satisfying. You go, it's just, man, it was cool. It really was cool though. And then also for the fourth and fifth one, you uh, it was featuring a submachine gun which you can reload by shaking it rapidly as you will, uh, and then it will prompt you certain actions by the game for a quick time action scene. I kind of love and hate at the same time. I mean, like, if you if you want to be as stylish as possible, you can actually dual wield the game. Uh, sorry, uh, the second uh, player controller and just dual wield everything and try to look as weebish possible. But yeah, it, it was deemed to bothersome and tiresome as you have to shake rapidly both the control if you want to reload both of them. And then there's this like little special knob uh, which has uh, which which actually um, the button to release the magazine. Um, it serves as a button where you can throw away grenades in the game as an additional uh, damage out for the boss or just to clear, clear mobs in, in certain stages. Now, um, killing regular mobs can be achieved easily by effectively shooting them in the head, while some of them wish to have what seems to be the cranial section of their body, or tear away their limbs, which also gives you the most points in case you're aiming for the top score leader, where I was referring to the um, headshots. And then you have your usual generic boss battles, um, which to me are quite unique, which the game will let you be, uh, will inform you basic information in where their weak points are, and then you have to shoot them and break their health bar bit by bit. Imagine FGO where you have to like defeat them bit by bit until they are fully defeated before they attack and take away your life points, one per damage. Occasionally you will find power ups in some of its styles, such as point multiplier, additional uh, additional health, grenades and power-ups. Another interesting uh, thing to note is the added civilians which were prominently featured in the first, second and also the fifth game in which if you successfully rescue them from zombies, some of them could reward you with an extra life, multiplier or extra points. Now, if I have to summarize the whole main timeline of the series, um, is it a good game? 
Somehow, to me it does share some nostalgic values and challenges by itself, noting from the first few titles. And the rest of them, it's still fun no matter what. Cause at a value, arcade games are supposed to be enjoyed quickly and leaving with the impression for the player to crave more at that exact situation than taking all of your money. The longer you play one title, it'll leave you feeling standard repetitive. You get joy and excitement from killing zombies in just massacring everyone thinking that you are a badass B-rate action movie protagonist. It felt fun and satisfying, but at the same time, the more you played, the more you felt it just it, it felt repetitive. But nevertheless, the franchise itself has been credited and considered by many as one of the most popular zombie video games which reignited the genre to be well recognized by the public again in the mid to late 90s. As the year progressed through the 2000s, the House of the Dead franchise managed to spawn several other spin-offs, live action adaptations, and several other notable merchandises, which sadly led to its somewhat demise. Oh god, I've promised that I won't go deeply into any spin-off territory, but I just can't help to talk abruptly about it. Since some of them did nail success, some of them, that's the key word, well, managed to become, well, some, some of them managed to become dumpster fire. There's been many instances in which Sega tried various formulas to make the franchise much more exciting and less linear. Cause like, it's a real shooting game, you can't do anything to a series unless you rehash everything, am I right? So, starting off with The Typing of the Dead, released for some arcades in Japan, the Sega Dreamcast, and of course PC, and if memory serves me right, it was also released for the PS2 in Japan, we never got it on PC, PS2 for North America and also Europe, so, eh. It's a revision of House of the Dead 2 that replaces the game's light guns with QWERTY keyboards. Defeating enemies are achieved by quickly typing out words that appear on the screen as they will progressively become difficult per stage. Starting from an array of letters to words to complicated text for some boss fights, although it was designed to improve typing skills, the game was lauded by critics as being too comedic, it was too fun and childish, which to me I kinda get it, it's a typing exercise game, it kinda takes away the somewhat horror element and makes it feel more laughable. But it did have its own sentimental and also historical feel to me because yeah, by dulu sempat ketagihan juga sih main typing of the dead pas jaman SD dulu, jadi sering main itu dan I'm kind of glad that the somehow soft and hard skills from playing that game actually improved my typing skills today. Although ya kadang-kadang malas dan ngetiknya pakai dua jari, dua apa, dua jari, kata-kata gitu. Tapi at least it was memorable and was fun. But it did took away the horror elements and aspect of House of the Dead to me because it I don't even see it as a game anymore. It felt like a typing exercise simulator that has zombies and also horror elements to it. So yeah. Then there was more weird spin-offs such as Zombie Revenge, a beat-em-up title for the Dreamcast in 1999. And then there was this damn pinball game, more Typing of the Dead um, sequels that was just revisions of House of the Dead 3 and also Overkill. And oh boy, um, House of the Dead Overkill. Okay, look, I despise this game for all the right reasons. 
Overkill was a spin-off that was published by Headstrong Games and Sega for the Wii in 2009 and managed to get its way being re-released for other platforms. The whole plot of the game was a non-canonical prequel to the first installment of the series, as you play as Agent G on his first assignment in the year 1991, accompanied by Isaac Washington, a cop, to investigate mysterious disappearances in Louisiana. I hate the game for its cakewalk playstyle and cheesy 80s horror element being forcefully put as the main feature to the game. It has the gore and bloody feeling to an actual B-rate movie of that period, so imagine Grindhouse with a mix of Tarantino here and there. It's constantly filled with curses and toilet humor, which to me just loses every basic element of what makes House of the Dead interesting in the first place. It loses that Japanese horror aesthetic vibes and mixes in with the cheesy, campy, 80s American western horror to the game. It it just makes House of the Dead felt like a parody. It, it, it's, it somehow felt like a really nice little middle finger to the series itself. And oh, don't get me started on its live action adaptations, oh god. So how and where should I start? Um, Ubo. I, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Ubol. U-W-E space B-O-L-L. I hate this man. Known as the most shittiest filmmaker of all time which loves to loosely adapt video games into movies and fail miserably at it, he managed to get himself convincing people to let him adapt a loose prequel cult film of the first game title, well, title House of the Dead, and managed to make it into a disaster, which somehow managed to get a direct-to-DVD sequel in 2004 and another one that doesn't even dare to attach the House of the Dead name into it. It was called Dead and Dead or something. And then the House of the Dead sequel was called House of the Dead 2. And, well, I mean, like, the sequel was a bit more better than the first one, but still, it's just... It's... Shit. It's real... Dumpster fire poopy shit. Just don't watch it. If you're interested, just... Straight away from it. I'm just genuinely sad and angered by the fact that whenever US media tries their best in recreating a copy and or reviving a damn good Japanese franchise, they tend to fail miserably at it. I mean, kesan tematik dan juga nilai budayanya pun berpengaruh kebaribannya suatu negara memproyeksikan esensi horornya. Sure, House of the Dead takes place in a much more western setting and they did try their best to implement their own interpretation of what scares the generic western audiences in their game. Well, feel horror budaya asianya tapi masih kerasa walaupun they try to make it as western as possible well yeah sampai to the point dimana dubbingnya pun kerasa terlalu cheesy and laughable uh, apa ya it has to be over the top it's usually made with more style and care instead of just blandly introducing gore uh, profanity partial nudity sex cells to the public jadi ya horornya cuma Bermodalkan itu, it doesn't leave tension, it doesn't leave thrill, doesn't leave um, anxiety and also actual fear into it. It it felt, ya kayak sekedar horror-horror yang penuh dengan jam gak jelas. Desainnya pun sekedar zombie yang dibuat se... Uh, mungkin. It, it doesn't even feel and look like how Japanese game developers and designers design zombies to look much more ghoulish. You know, 
Iya apa ya? Karena memang kalau kita membahas mengenai zombie sendiri kan ada yang membedakan variannya menjadi ghoul, zombie ataupun ya mutants yang dimana ghoul mungkin uh, kalau sampai sekarang masih dilihat yang lebih bungkering dan lebih ghastly speaking undead yang di, uh, di-revive dengan menggunakan kekuatan black magic ataupun uh, dengan hal yang lainnya. Tapi kalau zombie masih bisa dibilang uh, bentuk undead yang masih seger yang yang di-revive menggunakan uh, biological Experiments atau virus dan yang kurang begitu yang bisa saling infeksi. Kalau gula sekedar makan aja dan nanti itu yang mati antara bisa dihidupkan lagi atau enggak. Jadi biasanya kalau di dunia necromancy itu di game-game kan uh, andetnya dijadiin semacam gua atau andet zombie kan harus ada embel-embel andetnya dulu. Jadi ya feelnya itu beda-beda jadinya. Jadi memaksakan House of the Dead pas dipegang sama uh, studio Amerika pun kerasa kayak ada-ada-ada-ada ada value-nya juga menurut aku gitu loh. So God, I was disapp- I, I was fully disappointed with, with some of its um, spin-offs, especially Overkill and juga live action adaptation yang sempat bikin House of the Dead sendiri gonjang-ganjing ya. But I'm kind of glad that they met, managed and found themselves um, to come back to its roots, especially with Scarlet Dawn dan juga dengan uh, remake yang bentar lagi ini keluar. So yeah, I'm I'm still I am really glad that the House of the Dead series was still and up to this day, up to this day credit. As one of the most influential titles that managed to reignite zombies into mainstream pop culture, I'm just hoping that it won't receive any more salt to its injury. It, if it has to rise again from its ashes, right? Let it be the series that we know and love. And somehow, if it has to die, let it sank peacefully by the time. So, was The House of the Dead an interesting series? I'm just glad that it managed to survive as it is though. Well, to me, subjectively, it has everything that a campy zombie series needs. The generic mad scientist with disaster formula trope, the somewhat sarcastically speaking brilliant voice acting, over-the-top action scenes, some of the interesting imaginative locations, and overly imaginative creature designs. You combine them all into one single pot and you got yourself a recipe for a cult classic. And I can't wait for more in the future. But what about the zombie genre itself? Well, sure, it has its own ups and downs, and I can't wait what major game companies and movie studios could bring us in the future. I really do hope that a big-budget A-list movie production and studio can actually bring zombie into much more limelight. I'm, I'm talking about genuine zombie that has nothing to do with... Uh, kebetulan memang uh, beberapa uh, film-film sebelumnya kan kurang lebih mengkaitkan antara zombie dengan, let's just say, uh, Nazi... Uh, black magic scientific um, experiments terus kemudian perkara pakai virus terus kemana-mana I'm, I really want that somewhat classic House of the Dead or Resident Evil feel to it yang dimana you explore something and you just have a handful of uh, zombie army that could potentially be a threat if it got an outbreak aku, aku pingin yang kesannya gitu aja enggak yang out of nowhere bener-bener over the top outbreak dan buat segala jadi post apocalyptic I want something That is contained. I wish for that, and I wish that it 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 feels realistic. I don't want another Resident Evil live adaptation series yang over the top banget to the to the point di mana segalanya kerasa terlalu futuristik dan post-apocalyptic dan semakin seiringnya series malah mulai kehilangan identitas dengan series aslinya dan menjadi hal itu sendiri. I don't want that. I just want zombies to become something that is interesting again. 
Well, I'm being a bit uh, hypocritical, yeah. Uh, I mean, like, because I was amazed by how Marvel Studios kind of managed to grasp what if zombies into reality. Although I hope that they could tread on it a bit more and make it as the source material intended to be. Karena yang di komik pun lebih asik untuk dibaca daripada yang kemarin karena masih memaksakan MCU uh, untuk ada what if zombie ya. Cuma ya, yeah. At least we we kind of got Marvel what if zombies as a thing, although. Not as what I expected it to be, but still, yeah, we got it, so it's good. And heck, I'm also still waiting on any news in regards of Resident Evil 9 or RE4 remake. And even I am awaiting for House of the Dead remake for the Nintendo Switch as soon as it's available in the future. So, yeah, the zombie genre is still something that can be used here and there, no matter what. But I really do fear that, like any other piece of media, as they progress by time and get overused, they'll eventually get stale and die out. They will, though, unless you manage to find something that can reunite it again and again and again and again in the future. And so yeah, and that's about it, ladies and gentlemen, cats. We've covered enough on the topic of House of the Dead series a bit, and my somewhat attraction for the zombie genre. Once again, I would like to say thank you for tuning into this episode of Spooky Talks. Please do check out other Spooky Talks episode and podcast shows if you're craving for more. Available only on Spotify, Anchor FM, and many more streaming services. Yeah, I sound much more energetic on this Spooky Talks. Do I? I kind of like it though. Yeah, stay tuned for next month as we will be celebrating the 10th episode of Spooky Talks on Halloween for the Spotify version of this episode. If you're watching this on YouTube, well. Yeah, in the, in the nearby future, I'm really sorry because I'm a lazy son of a bitch. I tend to procrastinate too much to the point where I haven't updated my YouTube videos in a while. So yeah, we'll be doing the same thing as we did last year for the Spooky Talks Halloween um, 10th episode anniversary. Make sure to stay in touch for future updates about it. And this has been Pak with Spooky Talks episode 9. And I will see you all again in the next one, num nums. Stay tuned.